0: ESPN NHL podcast with Linda Cohn and Emily Kaplan. Hey everyone, this is Emily Kaplan. And if you're listening to this, you're listening to the third ever episode, second Monday episode of the new in the crease podcast with me and my co-host who needs no introduction, but take it away.
1: Oh yeah. I'm Linda Cohn and uh, Emily, I'm glad you're keeping track. That's important. To us, I hope to our listeners as well. Maybe not. (laughs) But Emily, for those who don't know, uh, this is not the only thing you do. Can you share a little bit of synopsis very quickly? Because we want to get into our breakdown of a couple of divisions. Uh, What are you up to this week?
0: Oh, great question. So you can find my articles on ESPN.com as always. I also appear on a show called Around the Horn, which I love. I specifically love being on their Monday shows when I give my hottest, spiciest takes on the NFL weekend that was because a little thing people don't know about me is I used to cover the NFL. So still have a lot of opinions on that league. Linda, where might people know you from if they didn't know you and they're just listening to this podcast?
1: Let me tell you something. I could spend like five hours on the NFL right now and what we saw on Sunday. But this is a NHL podcast with Emily Kaplan and Linda Cohn. So uh, yes, back on a show called you might have heard of it, Sports Center this coming Wednesday night on the Late Sports Center from Los Angeles. So looking forward to that, and then I'm on again on uh, Saturday. But in between, you know, just doing our due diligence, both of us doing what we love doing the most, and that is watching NHL preseason hockey. Yay! Let's
0: go. I was so excited. <laughs> the NHL emailed uh, teams on Monday today that we're recording this, the league schedule, and it was just so good seeing it all in print, honestly. It's so soon, opening night on October 12th. The key details that I think a lot of fans might want to know is that March 21st is the trade deadline. May 2nd, the playoffs begin. Love when they begin in early May. And the last possible day of the Cup Final is going to be June 30th.
1: Yeah, that's tremendous. Great point on the May start of the playoffs. I mean, that's just more normal to me and to you uh, with so much going on in April, obviously, with March Madness and all these crazy things going on. But uh, no, we're all pumped up. And uh, October 12th is a big night for both of us. We are both going to be... Uh, at opening night games, I will be in Vegas as the golden Knights open up at home against the
0: Seattle Kraken pumped up for that. And you will be, I'm going to be in Tampa Bay first game back on our network. They'll be raising the banner. Um, I'm going to be between the benches, which I'm so excited about. And I'm actually going out to Tampa Bay this week to test it out. We're doing a couple things to test out the camera angles, make sure the broadcast work. I'm telling you, we're doing things a little bit different on our broadcast. So I'm pumped about it.
1: Well, if you're doing that, I want to do that in Vegas because I will be uh, hosting some intermissions on site at T-Mobile Arena with our good friend and buddy and the super duper talented Kevin Weeks. So I will be out there as well. And uh, hey, maybe they'll get me to go out there a little bit earlier than normal. Uh, I would not be poo-pooing another trip to Las Vegas, even if it's just to make sure everything works properly. So that's a great plan. All right, let's get into this. You know, it's so funny, everyone, you know, and, and we're we're both East Coast girls. You know, we both grew up on the East Coast, right? You're in the Midwest now. I'm in Los Angeles. And so I think it's only certain and fitting and proper that we say, screw you, East Coast, for now. We still love you, but we're going to start breaking down divisions in the National Hockey League. Finally, for the first time since March 2020, we have the normal setup of divisions Uh, Of course, Seattle is the 32nd NHL franchise there in the Pacific. And Arizona, poor Coyotes. They get to move to the much tougher Central Division. But it's just so exciting to break down how we are going to see how these divisions play out, who's going to make the playoffs, who are going to be the top four teams uh, in each division. And um, we're just going to put the Atlantic on hold for a while. We're going to put the Metropolitan on hold for a while. And we're going to focus on the Pacific and the Central edition, central Division on this edition of our In the Crease podcast.
0: That's right. I literally called you earlier today and said, what do you want to talk about? I've got an idea. Let's just go through the divisions, and each you and I give like two to three sentences of just our opinion of what that team is um, and how it's going to play out for them. So without further ado, you know, it would feel too wrong and too sacrilege to really begin in California. So let's start in that Central <laughs> Division. <laughs> and we should start with the Coyotes, the new kids on the block. And I'll start because... Linda, when I look at this Coyotes roster, I see a team where every single player is available to other teams, except for Jacob Chikrin. He is the only player that they want to build around. Uh, This is the team this year where bad contracts go to die. Uh, There's a new front office that's not afraid to take on money for future draft picks because they know they need to build the right way. And that means it's going to get a lot uglier before it can get better. It will get better, but right now this is a team um, that I don't expect much from this year and just, again, has one player to build around, and that's Jacob Chikrin.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not even going to waste everybody's time. They're still a mess. I'm sorry. I, too, love Jacob Chikrin. I, too, believe you're supposed to build around him. You should build around him. Yes, they still have Clayton Keller, uh, and you know, at any given moment he could do something dynamic and exciting, but he's still a young player, so that's a good thing. But it's, it's the great defenseman Jacob Chikrin that this team should be building around and they have a long ways to go and they got to figure it out. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's just, listen, I root for franchises like this because everybody bets against them. I'm not saying they're going to win anything. They're going to actually win fewer games, Emily, in this central division than they did in that Pacific division or that they did last Pacific division. And what in the division, that was last year's division, which was, you know, I'm trying to block out those division alignments from last year, to be honest with you. But uh, it doesn't look good for Arizona. Um, get used to the, uh, the basement.
0: All right, Linda, we're going to whip through. And now the Chicago Blackhawks. I'll let you go first. What are your thoughts on the Blackhawks this year?
1: Well, they're one of my sexiest picks. Ooh. Um, they are. And I just like to use that term sexy in our podcast once every episode. And I am tying it into the Chicago Blackhawks. I just love everything they've done in the offseason. And I Still love their core group led by the captain who's back, Jonathan Taves. He's got something left. He's got something to prove and he's well-rested and he's healthy. Uh, we believe he's healthy. A hundred percent. It begins there. And then of course, Mark andre Fleury, who doesn't love the flower. I know we do. Uh, we're rooting for him. Big chip on his shoulder. No question about it. Has something to prove. See, you get the theme here, Emily. It's about the theme of something to prove about being disrespected. Uh, one of my favorite players, of all time, Patrick Kane. Uh, you know, he was an MVP candidate. I've talked about this on a previous episode. He was an MVP candidate, Hart Trophy candidate for most of last year. Uh, he and that, and that team left a lot to be desired, really, when you look at it. So he's ready to make some things happen. He likes the core group that he's got. Alex DeBrinckit, what a star. I mean, he's going to be something else. He get, just gets so young, gets better and better and better. So they're going to make the playoffs, I believe, in this very highly competitive Central Division. I'm really high
0: on the Chicago Blackhawks this year. I love it. When you're talking about players who have something to prove, one you didn't mention, but I think he fits into this bill, is Seth Jones, because yeah. obviously is nothing to prove to the Blackhawks. They had no problem giving him all of that money in that long contract. But the narrative around him and the discourse around him has really changed in the last year that... Oh, this isn't a number one defenseman, or oh, the fancy stats underlie don't show you know that he's really that great. So I put him in that book. Um, You know, when I look at the Blackhawks, I see a team that people just aren't going to believe in until they go on a run. And I honestly could see them going one of two ways. I could see them going the way that you say, and let's face it, they added at every single position of need, specifically defense, definitely a goalie, and Marc Andre Fleury can steal them some games. But I also wonder if there's just something not quite right because they still are retooling. And even though they still have Jonathan Taze, they still have Patrick Kane um, being around Chicago. I can just say that Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook were really big voices in that locker room. And that is a void. They're going to try to give it over to the younger guys. But there's always that transition period where it's like the young guys and the old guys. Do they all yeah. kind of mesh at once that I'm just yeah. unsure of how it's going to play out?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think uh, when you get a lot of new additions together on one team and great point with Seth Jones, I mean, he looks so happy when we spoke to him in Chicago. Uh, He just loves being in the city. He can't wait Mm -hmm. to be a force on this team and a leader on this team. It comes automatically with him. Um, It's going to take time to gel. But you know what, Emily, we hope to play 82 games and plenty of time. And you know what? Even though that central division, I keep saying it, it's one of the toughest divisions, probably the metropolitan division probably still is the toughest, but the central is right there with them. And I still think Chicago is going to make the postseason. I just think they're going to gel at the right time and they're going to really blend when it matters
0: most. You're so right. The 82 game season is such a game changer. Like it's so much more forgiving um, okay. A team that did well in a shortened season and can do well in the longest season. Uh, that's the Colorado Avalanche and Linda. When I think of them, I just think of a team that's motivated. I mean, we sat down with Nathan McKinnon at the player media tour. Could you find a player that was hungrier to win that feels like he deserves to win? Um, my fear with this team for next year is that they risk being too top line dependent again. They lost Brandon Saad. They lost Don Scoy. Those were two really good depth scoring scorers. They need guys like New Hook to step up. Um, I also just, you know, I, I think this is going to be the year. Um, where changes come if it doesn't really work out. And I'm looking at Jared Bednar. You know, he's been a really good coach. But as we sit now, it's been three straight second playoff round exits the last two years, especially excruciating. And if they just don't fulfill their destiny this year, I wonder if he becomes a scapegoat.
1: Yeah, well, you know, it is the NHL and coaches are always on the hot seat. And that is definitely uh, the guy that would go first. Uh, you know, they lost Philip Grubauer. Oh, by the way, you know, UFA, he's now the franchise goaltender of the Seattle Kraken. Uh, that's a huge loss. I know they picked up Darcy Kemper. I love Darcy Kemper, but he's always hurt. Okay. So, you know, you're going to have to protect that guy in the crease. You got that (laughs) nice pun in the crease, the name of our podcast, but seriously, I think the goaltending, I mean, they're going to take a step back there. I think that is an issue that they have to be concerned about, but the good news for the avalanche and their diehard passionate fan base is the fact that they have Nathan McKinnon. they have uh Miko Rantanen they have their captain Gabriel Landeskog so the key cogs are still there uh Burakovsky's there they got Nazem Kadri hopefully he'll stay on the ice when it matters most you mentioned the young center Alex Newhook a lot is expected from this kid you see that's the thing in this league now right i mean if you're like a blue chip prospect and you're 19 20 21 uh sorry Uh, you're not going to have a lot of time to develop. Maybe we'll give you half a season. I mean, a real season to develop, but we're expecting big things out of you. And so there are a lot of these teams, and this is one of these teams, the Avalanche, that is expecting that young blood to really bubble over, you know, and boil quickly and blend quickly with these veterans. Uh, I really do like the Avalanche still to win this division. I don't know if we're ranking them yet yet, Emily, but I'm jumping the gun here. Um, I still, I got to see it to believe it. If one of these other teams in the central division can actually knock off the uh, Colorado Avalanche from winning the central division, obviously in Vegas, not the Golden Knights. I mean, Vegas, Vegas, you know, they're picking them. Obviously they have the best odds to win uh, the central division. So uh, until somebody proves me wrong, I still think the abs have what it takes, but can they get past the second round? And yeah, I mean, that is, you know, a lot of these questions, we know what it's like the regular season's So, so darn long. We love it. We want the 82 games, Emily. But the fact fact is until we get to the postseason, you know, a team like the Colorado Avalanche, you know, I'll kind of be like, all right, let's see if you can get past the second round Then wake me up when you yeah. do.
0: You're, oh, bang on. And look, spoiler alert they're the cream of the crop in this division. I have nobody who's going to beat them. That's, they're it. You know
1: what team I had to like kind of pinch myself? Again, it's been a year and a half since we had semi-normal divisions, Um, that the Winnipeg Jets are in the Central (laughs) Division. Obviously on the map, it makes sense, but it's just been a year and a half since I figured that they would be playing teams that aren't in Canada. And have you forgotten, because I have not, how talented this team is? Yeah. And they could have gotten farther in the postseason you know, obviously they pulled off the biggest upset, shocking Edmonton in the first round of the postseason uh, last year, the way they did it. I was stunned. I was shocked. Um, they still have Mark Shifley. That was the big thing there with Shifley. Uh, you know, he is the key to everything for me with the Winnipeg Jets. But they got Nikolai Ehlers. They got Blake Wheeler. Well, I mean, who else? They have Kyle Connor, who's one of the best scorers in the National Hockey League. I think a lot of people are sleeping on the Winnipeg Jets. And if there is a team that can knock off Colorado and win the Central Division, they get my vote. I think there's an urgency there. You know, capital U, really urgency when it comes to the Winnipeg Jets, because they have that core group. They're built to win. They want to win. They have Conor Hellebuck. He has to stay healthy. But I think they're, um, you know, I think don't sleep on the Winnipeg Jets.
0: I'm in your boat. They're the like unsexiest team to talk about, probably because of their market. I'm not going to lie. It's the punchline yeah. of all NHL jokes. It really is. It's, you know, it's what is what it is. I think it's a shame because there's so many great players. There specifically great American players that we just don't get to appreciate down here. Um, for me, it starts with Connor Hellebuck, I believe full stop. He's the second best goalie in the league behind Andre Vasilevsky. He's amazing. Um, Yes. This team is in a much tougher division this year, but they've got the depth to keep up with these guys in the central division. You know, I think they're very excited about a full season of Pierre-Luc Dubois Um, You know, it was kind of a rocky start after they made that big trade for him. Um, But with the forward depth that they have, um, you know, with some of the defense, they also overhauled their defense, which was a big weakness for them last year. And I do think the defense will be better. And yeah, I I see a playoff team, um, but I also see a team that just has a propensity to go through long, bad stretches for whatever reason.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you brought up their defense. Excellent point. You know, right now their top four is, is some of the best top four in the entire National Hockey League. They picked up Dylan, Brendan Dylan, of course. And, uh, you know, Nate Schmidt, born to lead. I love Nate Schmidt. He is a Winnipeg Jet right now. And he joins like Neil Pionk, who I love, of course, former Ranger, and Josh Morrissey. So those top four, you know, after that, you know, it's throw it up in the air, see what happens. But the top four, really strong. So um, I think Winnipeg is moving in the right direction and they want to get back to seriously becoming and being that Stanley cup contender once again.
0: Yeah. Okay. Here's a team that I just like always struggle talking about the St. Louis blues. What do you think of when mm. you, what do you think the blues?
1: Uh, I, you know what, sadly, uh, because I think both of us love Ryan O'Reilly. Um, they're taking a step back. I, I mean, they have some losses there. Uh, first of all, let, let let's start with the I'm not going to be, you know, Debbie down here either. Let's start with positive. They picked up Pavel Bucinavich. Yes. All right. While I wasn't a super fan of Pavel buchnevich as a member of the New York Rangers, he doesn't know where the net is. And if you could put the puck on his stick, he will score. Um,
0: they also got him for nothing.
1: That's right. And because, again, I was not a super fan of Pavel buchnevich and there's a reason why they got him for almost nothing. <laughs> um, but he will add to this team, as will Brandon Saad. Of course, uh, he is a member of this team as well, but no Vince Dunn. Okay. Uh, Now a Seattle Kraken, right? No Sammy Blay, no Jaden Schwartz. Who's a good core group guy in that dressing room. No Mike Hoffman and their goaltending. I mean, Jordan Binnington, I love his fire. I love his passion, but he left a lot to be desired. In fact, he left a lot of goals in the net last (laughs) year. Uh, (laughs) So he must return to form. Um, But you know what, Emily, I really do feel the St. Louis blues are in danger of missing the postseason. Even though they have Vladimir Tarasenko with something to prove, okay, I get it. And even though they have Ryan O'Reilly, but they again, it will be tough sledding at times. They will go into some deep slumps. We're going to see if they can pull themselves out of it. And then they got to get the goaltender.
0: Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Um. You know, there's a new look on offense, right? And if I think if I take it just two for two, you lose Hoffman and Schwartz, you gain Bucinevich and Brandon Saad. I think that's even. I I think, you know, maybe Brandon Saad and Bucinevich just give them something a little bit different. You know, the defense used to be such a strength of this team when they were in that Stanley Cup final, when they won the Stanley Cup. And it's not that Alex Petrangelo left and it went to dust, but Kind of when the turnaround was, and you know, I do think that they could have some bounce back performances, but I just don't have trust in that defense. I want to trust Jordan Bennington, but I just don't like you. Um, you know, they're a bit old, they're a bit boring. I, 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 just there's not much for me to get excited about.
1: Yeah, and that defense. I'm glad you brought. It. You know, their top three. I mean, I have Tory Krug, Wright Colton, Pareko is still there, of course, and uh, Justin Falk. Um, so, but after those three guys good luck. All right, let's talk about the Nashville
0: <laughs> Predators. What do you think of when I say Nashville Predators?
1: I think of the past. I think of when they were Smashville. Yes, Smashville. 2017, went to a Stanley Cup final. All was right in the world of country music and Broadway in Nashville, one of the greatest spots in the world to have fun. But Smashville doesn't come to mind with this team right now. Uh I don't blame the goaltending. UC Soros somehow willed that team into the postseason last year. They went on that hot streak late, they, uh, and they took advantage. You remember this because you were in their neighborhood. They took advantage of the Chicago Blackhawks. I think mm-hmm. I remember reading they, they, they got 16, of a possible, 17 points from their meetings with the Chicago Blackhawks. So if it wasn't for UC Soros, if it wasn't for playing the Chicago Blackhawks a lot, the Nashville Predators would not be in the playoffs. They lose Ryan Ellis. That's a big loss. Uh, we both love Roman Yossi as their captain. He, we talked to him in Chicago during NHL media days. Could not have been more positive, more excited, but eh, I saw through it a bit. I love Roman Yossi, but he was saying all the right things, being a captain for this young team. Let's say this, a lot has to go right for this team to go back to the postseason this year.
0: Yeah, you know, this is a team that like teased and promised a youth movement for so long. And you're finally like, just do it already. Um, (laughs) You know, the defense interests me. It has gone through so much turnover. Left side, it's still really strong. You've got Ekholm, you've got Yossi. Right side, there's, you know, some youngsters that they're working in. If you're going to have one breakout player this year, I'd say William Carrier. He started to get some looks at the end of last season. I just worry though about Roman Yossi because he is so good. They just can't get too dependent on him. Specifically offensively. And I think that's the core issue with this team. Once again, can they generate enough offense with what they have? Um, Goaltending should be solid. Defense, we already addressed. Um, it's just about goals. And I don't know if they have enough.
1: I'm way beyond Nashville. And it's too bad because that place rocks. I mean, for goodness sake. And they'll only rock if that team is winning. So we'll see. We'll see. Dallas. Hello, Dallas Stars. Oh, I said that urgency word before, Emily. I think this team really has an urgency. And by the way, can we get 5,000 more goalies to suit up for the Dallas Stars? (laughs) I mean, they have Braden Holtby. They have Anton Hudobin. I know Ben Bishop is hurt. We don't know his situation. They have Jake Ottinger, right? Ottinger. He's young, talented, amazing. They want to get him reps. How are they going to get him reps? I don't know why they signed Brayden Holtby. I mean, it's just crazy. And, you know, I know that the, the 30-something goalies are who and Holtby, but, you know, I mean, whatever. But we, I, again, I, I like to say we both love, we don't, we, we'll, we'll differ a little bit, but when it comes to the players we talk to in Chicago, my goodness, Jason Robertson blew me away. This guy is just the greatest young kid. I mean, he is personality wise, if I'm running the Dallas Stars, I am making him, you know, letting people know of him. And I want to bring up another thing that just came to mind. Uh, well, I'll, I'll tell you now. I'm really impressed with the Dallas Stars. I'll tell you why. They hired Al Montoya, the former NHL goalie, to handle mm-hmm. their community outreach program. And I've been learning that the Dallas Stars have been very active in um, Mexico Hmm. and trying to grow the game and trying to get residents of Mexico to learn more about the game, the NHL, and specifically the Dallas Stars. The Stars are basically trying to get people who live in Mexico to become Dallas Stars fans. And they're very active in trying to do so. And we're coming up soon to um, Hispanic Heritage Month in the NHL and I think everywhere else, which is fantastic. I saw a promo when they, for the NFL was talking about it as well over the weekend. And the NHL is doing so much in October, which is Hispanic Heritage Month. And the Dallas Stars are very active. And as we speak on this day, this coming Sunday, uh, they are playing a preseason game against the Coyotes in El Paso, where hockey is growing big time. They have a junior league team there called the El Paso Rhinos, which is 95% Hispanic. Actually, 85% Hispanic, and their fan base is 95% Hispanic. It's just one of the, I like bringing this up because kudos to the National Hockey League, kudos to several teams that are right there on the border there who are trying to grow this game. And get it out to, you know, people that didn't grow up with this great game. So I just wanted to point that out, what teams like the Coyotes, what teams like the Dallas Stars who we're talking about at this moment, what they are trying to do. And I'm really looking forward to seeing that game. I got to find out. That could be streaming on ESPN Plus. Isn't everything? But it's Sunday, October 3rd. Uh, They'll be playing a preseason game. In El Paso.
0: I love it. I'm glad they brought that to our attention. Um, I think that they do do a ton of great things off the ice, and honestly, so many of these franchises do. And I feel like one job we should do this year is just kind of highlighting some of those moments like you just did. Um, quickly, what I think about the stars. Um, they barely had Tyler Sagan and Alexander Rajiloff last year, those two played a combined 14 games. In that time, Jason Robertson emerged as an important offensive player. Joe Pavelski stepped up to be especially important of this team. Um, So I'm wondering if it's just as easy as, okay, we get these two veterans back in there. They're healthy. We're much better.
1: Not sure that's going to be the case. You don't think so? See, I think they're going to make the playoffs. That urgency because they got those older players. You know, you mentioned them, you know, Pavelski, you know he's only playing to be able to play in the postseason and have a chance to win the Stanley Cup. He came close, of course, a couple of years ago, but I do think they're going to make the playoffs. I do think they're going to pull it together. I do like that mix that they have. And I do feel like players like Tyler Sagan, players like Alexander Ratcheloff have a lot of unfinished business. And Sagan was hurtle, of course, during that incredible run. So um, I think it's now or never for a guy like that. Remember once upon a time, Emily, Tyler Sagan was a top 10 player in this league back in the day. So it was Jamie Ben, not anymore. Yeah. <laughs> mm, yeah.
0: Well, no, and I am with you. And I do think that there is urgency this year, because if you look at their contract situation next summer, a lot of guys are coming off the books and that's when you could exactly. see the seismic changes, you know, they are an old team. They have some young, important players, specifically on defense. we talking about Mara Heiskanen. You know, They've got Rupe and some guys on offense that you get excited about. But overall, it's a pretty old team that you know just kind of has unfinished business. And maybe this is the last hurrah of this core. Last but not least,
1: and trust me, they're not finishing in last. And trust me, they're not
0: the least. Talking about the Minnesota Wild. Emily, you have the floor. <sighs> I think you and I might have differing opinions about this team. I was Uh-oh. talking to a friend about the wild the other day and we agreed. There's a team going in the right direction has a lot of really great, exciting parts of the team. but I think they might need to take a step back before they take a step forward. They just made so many changes this off season. And yes, it should be the career Caprizov show. And it's incredible that he signed. And I do think he changes the complexion of that team more so than most players can do when they arrive. I, it's like to Alex Ovechkin in Washington. I think I said it last episode. Elias Pedersen, I kind of get those vibes in Vancouver, although he really needs to regain his form. That said, it's just such a seismic change. They didn't address some of the things, and I feel like these young players just need a year of being the voices in the locker room, um, and then GM Bill Guerin figuring out what other championship pieces he needs to fill in before they can elevate to the next step so maybe they make the playoffs this year I think they can I just don't think this is the year they're going on the long run yet
1: yeah I know we do disagree I think they are making the playoffs I really do I mean Kirill Kaprizov there are some who did not uh we're not applauding the nine million a- annual salary that he got over five years this new deal uh, he's worth every penny he's so dynamic he's one of the best wingers in the national hockey league he's elite we can use that word with Kirill Kaprizov. I don't care if it was a small sample size. I think people are looking to bring the kid down. I know he's not a kid. He's 25 or whatever, but you know, and I know he has experience outside of the NHL, but he made an instant impact and that's not going away just because he's making some big money now. Okay. So that's number one. Yes. Do they have problems at center? Yes. Mm -hmm. That is their weakness. There is no depth at the center position. Also, they don't have Nick Benino now. I mean, love him or hate him. I mean, I like Nick Benino. He's a good piece. He's not there anymore. We know about the other big losses in other positions. Obviously, no Ryan Suter, no Zach Parisi. But let's face it, when was Zach Parisi used uh, toward the end of that season? And obviously not much in the postseason. Um, Joel Erickson, I love. He's your number one center. He continues to improve. I do love him. Of course, you love guys like, you know, on the back line, Matt Dumba, true leader. So I think they have enough here. Yes, there's going to be changes. Again, Jordan Greenway, love the progress he's made. I think they have enough. They have enough. They probably, in my mind, will be the last team to make the postseason in the central division because one man, Kirill Kaprizov, cannot do it alone. And here's one thing I do know, even with the subtractions uh, on that team, this team will remain exciting and dynamic worth watching because of the Kaprizov factor his presence when you have a guy like that and you mentioned a great analogy with Alex Ovechkin that greatness that passion rubs off on the rest of the team and we saw it last year sadly for them they were ousted in the first round but again they got a taste of it and they like the way that tasted the postseason
0: and they want a bigger goal this time and I think they're going to make the playoffs. All right, there you have it, the Central Division. And Linda, you alluded to some teams that you thought were going to make the playoffs. Let's put it all on the record here, just as a reminder for everyone, because last year was such a crazy season, and we sometimes forget what is normal. The way the playoffs work, about the top three teams in the division qualify, and then there's going to be two wild card spots in the West. It's just the two best teams remaining in the Pacific or the Central. I'm of the belief, Linda, that the Pacific is just not as strong. It's not that great of a division. I think that the two wildcard teams will both come from the central. So I'll give you my playoff teams. I think it's the Avalanche at number one. I think that they're the best, the cream of the crop. I do think that the Jets will make it. I think that they're just a good team. I like the Stars. I think the Stars can do something. And then I know I just spoke poorly of them, the Wild. Maybe they're not going on the long run, but I do think they make the playoffs this year. They're just one or two years away.
1: And let me tell you something, Emily, it was so important that you uh, reread and jogged all of <laughs> our
0: memories because
1: I like to rank things. I always, whatever sport I do, okay, before you, I give you my, uh, you know, playoff teams in the Central, I always like to rank, you know, one through four, mm-hmm. you know, type of thing. But in the case of the NHL and the case of what we're looking at and we're back to this format, the top three teams in each division make the playoffs and then we'll have two wildcard teams from their respective conference, in this case, the West, because we're talking about the Central. Um, so I agree. The two wild cards are coming from the Central. I told you they're a great division. They're right there with the Metropolitan as the best division in the NHL. Highly competitive. So my locks, locks, I say, top three, okay, to get in, all right? And I'll tell you who has an outside chance. Okay, I'll just say it, all right? Avalanche, number one. Nothing shocking. I mean, bad things would have to happen at a Colorado team, meaning injuries, uh, for them not to win that Pacific division, of course. Uh, Winnipeg, I told you, I was I pumped them up. I love the Winnipeg Jets. They're the only team in the Central that could steal the Avalanche uh, that, for the division title in that one. Um, number three, uh, Minnesota Wild. Minnesota Wild. I believe in the Minnesota Wild uh, for sure and what they're building there and what Bill Guerin is building there. And then uh, I'm going to stay true. I think some. You know, I think the Blackhawks are going to be a wild card team. They're going to get in. And I think the other wildcard team, again, it will be out of the Central Division. It is going to be the Dallas Stars because they do have that urgency and they have
0: that hunger with all those veterans. All right. There's our episode, except we have one other thing for you guys. We've teased it. We've mentioned it on our first two episodes. and. I think this was one of the highlights for me, the most unexpected and surprising answers a hockey player has ever came to us. It's when we asked John Gibson what he did with the summer. Linda, anything else to tee it up before we show you guys this clip? Uh,
1: I'm with you. I have never heard an answer like this from any professional athlete in any sport answering the question, what did you do on your summer vacation?
2: When
0: was the last time you cried?
2: Oh. I don't know.
1: How about when one of your kids were born?
2: Honestly, I, d- I didn't cry because I actually delivered the two kids. So Wait, I was- Wait, what? Was, Let's talk about it. Yeah, I was, uh, I think the first one, I, I I wasn't expecting it. I had no idea. And the doctor said, come on. We had a good relationship with the doctor. He's a really nice guy. And I was more in shock than anything. And then the second time around six weeks ago, I was looking forward to it. So I think I was just kind of in the moment. I, I couldn't even, I. It was almost in disbelief. And both of our kids, we didn't find out the sex. So it was a surprise right then and there. So it was more about anxious, excited to see what we're having and and being able to do that. It was one of the crazy, probably the craziest thing I've ever done.
1: Let's get into that moment. Now, this happened in a hospital, right? You're yeah. Okay, good. Okay, so in the hospital, <laughs> I mean, no, you know, no, it no, is Cal- it is Southern California. You yeah. never know. You know, right, Kimmy? You just never know. Yeah. Okay. So, um. okay, so what what was the thought process? Was it your wife who said, you know, hon, I'd really appreciate if you helped deliver this baby? Or was it something you're like, hey doc, I'd love to do this. What give me
2: that? No. So the first the first one, I was just with my wife and everything. And then he goes, Come here for a second. He grabbed my hands and was his hands around my hands and I was just like I couldn't believe I was doing it. Like it was it was I was in disbelief. And then the second time around, I was looking forward to it, and it was, it was cool, and I could enjoy it a little bit more. I think the first time, I was just in shock. like I couldn't believe what was happening.
0: Do you think that he had a little more faith in you because you are an NHL goalie and you're used to making saves? Like, you're not going to drop anything. Well, yeah,
2: he said you got to have good hands for your job, so I'm not too worried about it. So I guess that made me feel a little bit better.
1: See? We weren't kidding. You heard John Gibson, the Anaheim Ducks goaltender. I tell you my favorite line, by the way, before I get, you, get to you what I'm going to say to you right now. It's the fact that he has good hands. He is a goalie and he could have handled it. And he did. And that gave him extra confidence. But I'll tell you what he did. I mean, I was amazed. My jaw was dropping. I was so surprised only because, listen, I gave birth to my two amazing children. I would not even want to be if I could be two places at (laughs) once on the other end, the way John Gibson was for his wife. Amazing.
0: No, I think it's incredible. I think there are a few. Hockey player cliches that you and I become accustomed to. What do you like to do for your hobbies? I like to play golf. What's a life-changing <laughs> moment for you when I became a father? No one can say life-changing becoming a father quite like John Gibson because holy cow, that was the story.
1: Now, if only his team can score goals for him. But we'll get into all that in the next episode of In the Crease. That's right. When we dissect the Pacific Division, which is, let me tell you, there could be some surprises on who makes the top three and gets into the postseason, uh, But then you'll have to listen.
0: I love when you tease spicy takes just love it. But before we let you go, we want to tell you that Keyshawn Jay will and max is on ESPN radio Monday through Friday from six to 10 a.m. Eastern. And they're bringing you the insights from a former number one pick in the NFL draft, Keyshawn Johnson, along with a number two pick in the NBA draft, Jay Williams and host Max Kellerman on the latest news from the NFL and college football. Tune in to hear them debate what's happening and grill the best-known guests in sports. That's Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max on ESPN Radio and ESPN News, or listen to the podcast of the show. Also, the Peabody and Emmy Award-winning 30 for 30 film series
1: presents Once Upon a Time in Queens, a four-part documentary event about the city, the swagger, and the wild ride of the 1986 Mets This documentary explores the epic tale of one of baseball's most dominant and iconic teams and their legendary World Series comeback. Hear from former Mets players and fans, including Darryl Strawberry, Keith Hernandez, Bill Burr, Cindy Lauper, and more. All four parts of Once Upon a Time in Queens are available to stream
0: on ESPN+ and the ESPN app immediately. Thank you guys so much for listening. We really appreciate it. And if you've made it this far, you clearly like us. So don't forget to subscribe, rate, review. We've been told that all of those things help. So we'd appreciate if you did it. Absolutely.
1: Thanks again, everybody.